Father, we bless you. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence. Thank you for the worship experience we are having. Speak afresh in our hearts and minds and do, God, restore. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Blessings upon you. So glad you have gathered with us today uh, in your domiciles and have uh, logged in to this wonderful opportunity of prayer and praise as we listen to the Word of God even at this moment. Turn with me in your Bibles. I'm going back to Isaiah. Isaiah 26 is the passage that we were looking at, the end of Isaiah 26, but I'm flipping just the next chapter over, which is really a continuation of what is in 26. In 26, he said for them to come in the house and shut the door behind themselves. In 27, this is the first a couple of verses there, which are interesting. The first three verses, he gives them this instruction. He, the word of the Lord comes, and it is actually, the text actually heads with this heading, Minister Lamont. It says, Israel will be restored. Amen? That's the heading. Israel will be restored. Here's what it says, beginning verse 1. In that day, the Lord will sever with his severe sword, great and strong, will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he will slay the reptile that is in the sea. And then he says, in that day, sing to her a vineyard of red wine. I, the Lord, keep it. I water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I keep it night and day. We've been talking from the theme, wait it out, wait it out. And this is part three of that word, wait it out. The Israelites were, were given this word. And I want to help, want to set this up with this, because it's very important because this text and most of the texts in Isaiah are always looked at in the apocalyptic form as in end time prophecy. And that's wonderful, and it's an excellent way to examine it because it does speak to end time prophecy. But the word had something to do with in time, I in time, the time in which they were living in. And so we have an end time, E-N-D, prophetic word, but we have an end time prophetic word that would have been spoken to a people in the midst of bondage, to a people in the midst of a tough situation as they were in captivity and the word of God came to them to tell them that what they had been going through was about to come to an end and as a part of getting ready for the ending of that season in life they were in, they were told to go in, shut the door because destruction would be in the street and therefore they would be covered in refuge during the destruction. It was a time of expectancy for them. And look, three things could, were going to happen. There was going to be a reset uh, and then somebody ought to catch this. There was going to be a renewal and then there'll be a restoration. 
a reset, a renewal, and a restoration that God was going to allow them to hit the reset button. Somebody right now in your life, instead of looking at this season as the worst thing that ever happened, you need to see this as a moment to hit the reset button. God's getting ready to reset some things in your life. He's getting ready to reset some stuff that was out of order. He's getting ready to reset some things that couldn't be fixed as you were moving, but it can be fixed when you slow down. He's allowing you to hit the reset button so he can renew you. And if he, when he finishes renewing you, your relationship with him, your move with him, your walk with him, your talk with him, your prayer life in him, and then God says, I am going to commit to restoration. I, I need to get this out because there's a word up in here for somebody today. Somebody doesn't even realize you've been in a reset moment. You don't realize that you've been in a reset moment. God's trying to reset your priorities. He's trying to reset your plans. He's trying to reset the things you consider to be your prerogatives. He's trying to reset you to put you on the plan and place that he wants you to be in because he's renewing you into a new mind and a new place and a new walk with him. Oh, that's a powerful word right there because God is restoring what God, oh, everything the enemy tried to steal. God is in the midst of restoring right now. Now, you got to understand, I know it's, it's a moment here. I know it seems like a long time, but never confuse a moment with forever. Never confuse a moment with forever. Never confuse that which is temporary with that which is eternal. Never confuse this moment right now with forever. Time is transitory. It's moving. It's, it, as a matter of fact, one, one songwriter says time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. I need to say that again. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. And I want to help somebody here. I see you in the future. And you look better. I see you walking in favor and prosperity too. Let me encourage you. Let me speak life to you. You can depend on God to see you through. Let, let me, I need to help some. The future is brighter. That's the message God was conveying to Israel. I know it's dark clouds right now, but the future's brighter. I know it's dark right now, but the future is brighter. I know you can't see for the fog right now, but the future is brighter. Anybody that's experienced COVID-19 comes out talking about the foggy brain, that, that, that your mind doesn't function at the same level immediately. It's a fog, but, but the future is brighter. The future is bountiful. It's bountiful. God is getting ready to give you a bountiful future. I'm speaking this into your life right now. I hope you're receiving it. God is getting ready to give you a future that is boundless. Boundless. God's giving you a boundless future. That means that, that, that can't, don't let nobody put limits on what God's getting ready to do for you now. Don't let anybody put limits on what God is getting ready to do in your life right now. Don't, don't worry about the season we're in because when it's over, God has got a boundless future for you. Now, now let me tell you something. If this text is both end time, as in the apocalyptic moment, 
and it is in time, as in the present moment, if this text is chronos, meaning in time, according to the sequential calendar, if this text is chronos for the people that it was spoken to, it meant that what God was saying to them was not something that was going to take place in the parousia, the second coming. No, it was something God was going to do for them while they existed in the world where they were at. Preach that, Watts. So God was getting ready to bless them, not in the sweet by and by, not in heavenly places, not after the second coming, but God was getting ready to bless them in the present moment. That God was getting ready to bless them in the time in which they were existing in. Now, now I'm preaching in here because it's so powerful right now. I need you to get this because before you go looking apocalyptically, and it does have that in it, and I'll get that to that at another time. Before you go looking for the second coming, and it has that in it, and I'll get that to that another time. You stick with the current moment and stick with what the Germans refer to as the Zitzenleben, the historical setting with which it is given in, and in that setting to that people, God was talking about something that was going to happen physically in their present moment. Now that's important because it is in time and in time. It is in time and in time. And right now, if Jesus is not coming back tomorrow, if Jesus is not coming back soon, then I still need Jesus to do some things for me so that I can live in this season in time before I get to eternity. There's no sense in me having this season in time not the best that he can make it. Not blessed like I know he wants it to be. There's no sense in me being the tail when he made me to be the head. There's no sense in me always being the borrower when he made me the lender. There's no sense in me being the victim when he made me a victor. There's no sense in me not having abundance because he has already spoken it that he came that I might have life and have it more abundantly, John 10, 10. I, and so I want the abundant life, the Zoe life, that God has provided. Oh, preach. So what I want to know is, what does all this mean? And what? how does this line up with what's happening in the world today? Because I see an end time message, I end time message, that in this current season we're in. Preach this thing. Listen here. Three things, and I won't be long today because I think I've already got somebody's head spinning. The first thing you need to get, number one, the first thing you need to get is you need to understand that there's going to be a supernatural defeat. A supernatural defeat. Now, now this, is, this is important you see this. This is not the ultimate defeat as in Revelation, but this is a put down. Watch this. So that he uses the metaphor of Leviathan. And he says, God is going to take his severe sword and cut off the head of Leviathan. Now, now, now I, I, I sent 
uh, some, some photos. That's a three-headed monster there. There, there. There's another one. Everyone has been trying to figure out how do we depict the Leviathan? Uh, just look for a moment at some of the photos that are on your screen because Leviathan is a sea serpent. It has been depicted as a multi-headed hydra with multiple heads. In one picture you just saw with three heads. It's been depicted as this vicious creature. With, with You've got to know this sea serpent speaks to something first, supernatural defeat. Now, now why is that important? Because the children of Israel struggled in the midst of their neighbors who worshiped other gods. And because they struggled with the knowledge of the gods their neighbors worshiped, they were always trying to figure out how to live out a monotheism in the midst of places where they had polyistic worship. And in some cases, many of those worship gods that were of the sea or of the water. And so you'll see the storm water theme coming up in the Bible repeatedly because these themes relate to the gods that the other people were worshiping. And so in the time of their captivity, many people were worshiping the god of Baal, some were worshiping the God of Yaam, Y-A-M-M. -M. And many of them were worshiping these gods that were dragon-like serpent creatures. Now understand this, we know from the Ugric tablet, that's U-G-A-R-I-T, the tablets that were discovered in Babylon, we learn more about the battles that were fought between those gods who were seeking power and each of them who were power over water and sea. And now those things that we've learned from some of those ancient tablets remind us that in this text, when God is speaking to them, he is giving them a word that the God you serve is greater than any other God in the world. Now you just messed, I know you got sick right then. You don't even understand what I'm saying. Come on back, come on to church. Psalm 74, verse 12 through 17. Here's, here's what he said. He says, look, verse 12 says, For God is my king from old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. You divided the sea by your strength. Why would God need to divide the sea? There are gods that we're talking about that they were of the sea. You broke the heads notice plural, of the sea serpents in the waters, you broke the heads of Leviathan in pieces and gave him as food to the people inhabiting the wilderness. I'm working on something up in here. Now, now, now it's important that you see this because when you read the wisdom literature in the book of Job, particularly when you get to chapter 41 of Job, you'll read all about Leviathan in chapter 41. There's a description of Leviathan, and the description yields that Job can't defeat him, but God can and does. 
Why does he elevate the description of the Leviathan? Because he wants him to know that every God that is around you, that is trying to have power and that people are worshiping, don't you worry, you are worshiping the one true and living God and your God is more powerful than any other God. Preaching here was. So in 41, he says to him, chapter 41, verses 1 and 2, he says, Can you draw out Leviathan with a hook or snare his tongue with a line which you will lower? Can you put a reed through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? And he said, No, you can't do none of that, but I can. Okay, let me get it again. So the first thing, when you compare the Job passage, you compare the Psalms passage. You compare what God says in Ezekiel. What he's trying to suggest and what they are trying to teach to their people in captivity, watch this now, is don't give up on God just because stuff looks hard. Woo! Preach up in here was. Don't give up on God because it looks like the enemy is prevailing. Don't give up on God because somebody's got a new religion. Don't give up on God because somebody's worshiping something different. Don't give up on your God because things are looking rough and tough. The God you serve will defeat any other God. Ooh. I can shout right there. Y'all better watch me now. I feel something up in here. Listen, listen. So he first speaks to them. He speaks to them about a supernatural defeat. But since I'm trying not to stay too long this morning, I gotta hurry up, so I'm gonna rush to the second point that's gonna bless your socks off. The first is supernatural defeat. But the second is systemic destruction. Now you ought to write that down because it's more than just God's that's being spoken of here. Oh, it's getting good now. I feel something. I feel my help done come. Y'all don't fool around. Let me preach it. Listen. It's systemic destruction. Watch this. He says, in that day, the Lord with his severe sword, great and strong, will punish. Now watch this. Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, I'm looking again at, at, at chapter 27 of Isaiah. And then Leviathan, the twisted serpent. And he says, and he will slay the reptile in, that is in the sea. Now, it's important here that when you read scripture, you don't just simply read it and run over stuff. Because there are separate words used for the same creature. He's calling it Leviathan. But when he gets to the, the last one, that actually refers to the dragon of the sea. More like a crocodile. Y'all missed it? So he says that, look at that picture. Ooh, God, that's, now that's showing up ugly. That, that, that's one of them, you, you get one of them old, old cheerleading songs for, you ain't got no alibi. You ugly. I said to, to Brother Solomon the other day, when we were, we were talking about this, I said, I said, all of these are only imaginative depictions of it because we've never seen the Leviathan. So the pictures are all over the place. 
the best description or the fullest description is in that 41st chapter of Job, which talks about his scales being tight together that you can't get a hook between them and, and all of his armament that, that's on this creature. But we've never seen it. But what we do have in the text are Hebrew words that describe some stuff that may give a hint to something that God is up to. The Hebrews believe that when they talk about the Leviathan and this metaphoric code language, what they believed were they were speaking in code language about their enemies. I wish I had, I, I'm trying to be good. Because I can hear that song. I got, I got, I got enemy, 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 enemy. Okay, let me, let me. I looked at y'all, that, that did that to me. There are three separate movements if you look at it. The first is the fleeing serpent. And the fleeing serpent could possibly represent Assyria. Assyria, the nation located on the swift and flowing Tigris River. The twisting serpent could possibly represent Babylon, the city on the winding Euphrates River. It twists. Are y'all flowing with me? And the reptile that is in the sea potentially could be Egypt because of its dependence upon the flow of the Nile. In any case, the metaphor represents a code language that God will bring systemic destruction to the oppressors of God's people. Y'all missed it, went over your head again. What in the world has been happening since the pandemic, since our dear brother George Floyd went and was underneath the knee for eight minutes and 46 seconds, we have been seeing systemic destruction. God has been dismantling and bringing to light the systems of evil that have been pervasive in this land, the systems of evil that have allowed the industrial prison complex to exist, the system of evil that has allowed redlining to exist so that property values would be lower in one neighborhood and raised in another neighborhood. And in one place, Michael Bloomberg had the nerve to say that the bust of 2008 was caused because of the lack of redlining existing anymore. In other words, as other people got to come up, that meant that somebody had to come down. What a lie from the pit of hell. But systems have been falling. There is a systemic destruction of now what we see as the police state where they police in some communities and protect in other communities. Systems are falling. There is a system change. God is getting ready to make this systemic destruction so that we can tear down the systemic racism. And I'm not just talking about black and white. I'm talking about all racism. All bigotry. Being exposed for what it is. Systems are falling. Do I think this is going to end up being a perfect world? It can't be. It's not heaven. 
But I can tell you this much. Systemically, things are about to change. The passing of John Lewis does not miss me this morning. Wonderful representative, the youngest person to speak at the March out Washington, March out Washington. That man beaten in his head, could not even remember getting up from the ground with a cracked skull and walking back towards the Brown Chapel. That man who, who lived a life that was of such valor that his, his portrait hangs down in the midst of his city and people look at him and honor him and revere him because they remember the Voting Rights Act. They remember him waging a battle and giving his own blood on Bloody Sunday. But you have to also know that the system that has been stealing the right to vote from people has to come down. How is it that Ferguson, Missouri could have a 66% minority population, but less than 6% are allowed or able to vote because of the way in which they have taken the police state and have taken the rights from the people to vote? How is it? that Florida would put in a law that would allow felons to vote but then make it a poll tax that they have to pay complete restitution for they could use that right to vote. The system has to fall in order for justice to be done. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Systemically, something has to change. I, 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 Last point, last point. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Really, I am. The last thing. Then he gives us one other thing, which is interesting in the text. It's interesting because he says, verse 2 and verse 3, he says, In that day, sing to her a vineyard of red wine. He says, I, the Lord, keep it. I water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I, I keep it. Night and day. I want you to get this. This is the third point of the message. You got to realize that God has salvific deliverance. Salvific deliverance. My last point, I am done. I, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I promise y'all it is finished. I'm done. He said, I got a vineyard. He said, I'm going to keep it for you. He says, I'm going I'm to keep you the vineyard. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless the vineyard. I'm, I'm going to take care of the vineyard. Uh, God says, I'm getting ready to do something in it. And, and what God suggests to them, that I am getting ready to place you in a place of blessings. Now, now you have to realize, he says, the blessing is getting ready to come. I'm going to put you there, and I'm going to keep it. Wait a minute. I'm about to shout. God says, I'll keep it. I'll take guardianship over it. I'll take guardianship over what's going on with you. Now, now you, you get this law of contrast. In chapter 5, we've got, we've got a vineyard that can't be productive. There are briars there. there. There are things there that can't work. But, but now by this chapter here, in 27, the new vineyard, God said, I'm going to water it myself. I'm going to burn up anything that would come in it to thwart it. God said, 
I am the keeper of the vineyard. I will take care of it. And that's what gets me excited about right now is because God says, I've got deliverance for you. I've got salvific deliverance. I, I, I threw that in there on purpose because you, you, can't nobody do me like Jesus. And, and, and what the word of God says and what God said to, to Peter he, when he was reminding him of his position in the world in Matthew 16 and 18, he said, he said I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, uh, on this revelation, I, I will build my church and the gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail against it. God says, I'm getting ready to give you salvific deliverance. You are my church, not, not the building, not the building, my people. You, you're my church, and, and, and I'm going to keep you. I'm going to protect you in this season. I'm going to watch over you. Psalm 121 verse 4 said, Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The God we serve is going to keep us and preserve us in this season. So all I want to tell you here is keep on going to the store when you need to go. Do what you need to do. Keep on coming back in. Wear your face covering when you're outside. Stay your six feet distance away. Wash your hands regularly and just wait this thing out because the God you serve, even if you gotta go to work, he will keep you. Wherever you are, he will keep you. The God we serve is going to love you even in the midst of this season because God is also working some things out. He's exposing some things, uprooting some things, tearing up some things in order to make this life better for you now. And then when it's all over, we'll shout in glory. But I want a little bit better now. I don't want to just wait to glory. I want to help God uproot the divisiveness and the things that are going against us now. This is the word of the Lord. Marvelous in our sight. Amen.